Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. All right, we are live. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross managing editor of Fightful.com. It is December 27th. It is the 52nd edition of Listing Your Boy. But Jimmy Van, that is misleading. I thought this was like the one-year mark, but it really isn't. Because at the beginning of December last year, we did a show. Right. And then for some reason, you didn't show up to work for a month. <laughs> we didn't do another podcast until 2017. So this is, this is kind of reaching the year mark. I, I, I had thought that we did more shows in 2016 but what is a little more surprising to me is how long fightful existed before we did those shows yeah i never wanted to be on your talent sean i was kind of like the jj <laughs> dylan i was the jj dylan of fightful.com you're the knight in shining armor aren't you you had to come in and... didn't want to be the on your talent what happened was i saw that nobody else was getting it done and so uh, I descend in the ringer. And, and you know what I love about this whole thing? Because you and I have talked about this. When I told you, because I think someone like no showed or something. And when I said to you, hey, I'll do the show next week because whatever, maybe Russo, somebody wasn't there. You told me after the fact, you're like, fuck, I've never seen this guy on camera. This guy could be dog shit for all I know. And But it yeah. worked out, right? Well, I mean, okay, because having bosses that want to get themselves on camera is nothing new to me. That is not a shot at like my last employer or anything. I love doing shows with him, but I mean, it happened everywhere. Mm -hmm. I was, I mean, when I worked for bill after me and him were on camera all the time together, but I mean, most people start wrestling websites mm -hmm. because they're passionate about it and they want to talk about it. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's not anything new. It's just, you know, I didn't know what you would be like on camera and you'll probably agree with me. I never ask you to do stuff on camera. Like outside of the show, have I ever said to you, oh, I want to do a podcast and talk about no. this new? Never, ever. Never. This is just something I, start, I started doing it because we had an opening. Remember, we, we used to have all the daily guys, and then I yeah. cut them all back. 
Oh, and I remember I had to edit them all. Yeah, so we had an opening, and so I thought, uh, I, I can count on myself. It's like the, you always say, right? If you, you know, who are you going to depend on? Yeah, oh, so. I'm with you. I'm with you, man. Like when we made the leap to getting an associate editor, like there was some relief, but then there was some like, oh, man, what's this? How's this going to work? Yeah. And fortunately, it's it's all been good, like with our contracted guys like David and Brian. But yeah, yeah. man, you gotta you gotta depend on yourself an awful lot in in there these things. That's why I started doing it. And there have been weeks that I've and this is no shot at the show or or our listeners. There have been weeks that I just don't want to do it because yeah. maybe I'm busy with with something with my company or whatever. And and there are weeks where it's like crap. I have to do the, the podcast, but. Uh, but whatever, you know, it's 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 a good thing. I like talking to you, even though you're a bit of a pain in the ass sometimes. And <laughs> I like uh, I like having Nigel in here producing the show, so it's all fun. Listen to Nigel just being, just giggling along. Oh, uh, that's my life, Sean. Let me tell you. Well, I'd Nigel's like to, I'd like to know what along. they say when I'm not in the room. That's what I'd like to know. Ha <laughs> ha! Nigel's know? gonna giggle along this weekend because I am releasing the funniest moments of Fightful.com 2017 oh, yeah? this weekend. That's gonna be fun. On Fightful.com. Also tonight, I'll get this plug out of the way, 8 p.m. Eastern, myself, Jeff Hawkins, Alex Palowski, providing alternate commentary on Royal Rumble 2005. I've talked to a bunch of wrestlers who were in that match, people who were uh, backstage, uh, some had, have some stories about the wrestlers, have some stories about the Rumble match itself, who puts it together, how it comes together. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Alex, I don't think, has ever watched this, so I kind of wanted that. I wanted that fresh perspective on this match and I wanted him to ask some questions about it. So cool. I'm really pumped if people like it and it does well, we'll do more. Awesome. Well, this is the, this is our last show of the year and it's a, a little light on wrestling news. There is some stuff to talk about, but it's a little bit light. So we're going to, we're going to, you know, tell a little bit more stories, Sean, I'm going to do more of what some people consider to be bullshit on the show <laughs> sure. because it's a little light. So first and foremost, my wife, uh, specifically asked me to wear this sweater on the show today and anybody that only listens to us on audio and doesn't watch the YouTube videos I have an Edmonton Oilers ugly sweater that my wife got me for Christmas and she specifically said please wear this on the show so there you go I got it on for her and then the other thing is this is a sweetheart that she got me for Christmas this is a James Ellsworth uh, elite uh, collection action figure from Mattel and uh, I was telling Sean off the air, I don't even know if I had told my wife this was out or not, but she got it for me for Christmas. I put a picture of it on Twitter, and James Ellsworth actually retweeted the picture that I put on uh, on <laughs> Twitter. So I'm going to unbox this thing. I thought this was like the perfect compliment to uh, the one and only Sean, one of a kind, life-size cardboard cutout that we yeah. got going on back there. Well now I gotta wonder: Are you gonna get a little iron-on transfer of the Ya Boy shirt, which people can get at ProWrestlingTees.com/slash/Fightful? It's actually put it on him. That's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. Maybe I and you know what I love about this? See his pose right there? It's the <laughs> it's the every man with two hands, right? That's yes. the pose right there. So I thought that was kind of apropos. So this is what the wife gave me. And uh, so let me ask you: How was your holidays? How was your Christmas? It was funny. I was telling Nigel off the air. I was really looking forward to it because it's some some time off, and I don't get a lot of it. I don't give myself a lot of it. And then there's not a lot to do around here. There wasn't a lot open. I ended up working some more. So you did really? Uh, yeah, I ended up working, putting together some things, uh, posting some interviews that hadn't been up on Fightful before. Check out man, the physique. physique. Look at the physique, physique man. Great. Look at that. He's got the the tattoos on the back. 
Look at that sunken chest, man. Look at that. I love that they kept the offspring uh, tattoo on him. They did. They, it's, 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 look at the size of his knee pads. Does he really have knee pads that big? No, they, their knee pads are weird sized. Yeah, that's those pretty big knee pads. I'm gonna... Have you seen that they're re-releasing? Well, they're not re-releasing. They're reproducing the old Hasbro figures with current stars. They I already did. Kind of... They already did. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll, yeah, I'll let me... see them at the store all the time. Actually, I'll tell you a story about that. So because you know I'm a collector, uh, there are people – so you know the old Hasbro sets from the 90s. There are people that make custom versions of those, mm-hmm. and they try to sell them on eBay like they're the originals. Yeah. So when I saw that they were re-releasing these Hasbros of, of today's stars, immediately that's the first thing I thought of. These customizers are going to custom make those, and they're going to make like they're the real thing and make a make a killing off of them. So I don't touch the Hasbros because I don't know if they're legitimate. That's the main reason I, I've never been a, a collector of Hasbros. Is it, like, really hard to customize LJNs like that? Because, I mean, they're one solid piece of rubber, right? Yeah, I mean, there are some guys that are decent at it. I've, I've seen guys, they because they use different materials to make the remake the rubber, and they've got the paint and all that. Yeah. Usually, if you're good at, find, at spotting it, you can tell. Like, I'll tell you this, in, in that line... Uh, there are a couple of uh, what's the word? I guess phantom figures that uh, people have always claimed exist. When I don't think they really did, like a black card Bam Bam Bigelow and a black card Elizabeth. And there was a collector I knew, and this guy was making customs where he would like take the Elizabeth from the other packaging and put it on a uh. black card and glue the bubble back on, and then he'd go on Facebook and go, "Look what I just found!" Right. Yeah. And people were calling him out on it saying, you're a moron and you made that and that is not legitimate and do not put that on eBay for $10,000. Skeevy. Yeah, this is what Just people do. Skeevy. So look at this. Look at that. There you go. Anybody a that's great, watching us on YouTube, check that out right there. There's the, a great there's the, gift idea from Mrs. Vanderlinden. Yeah, that was pretty damn awesome. I like it. So I'm going to, I'm probably going to try to arrange for, oh, damn you it. Should, you should probably arrange to have that Ric Flair figure pulled out and then have the Ellsworth figure beat the Ric Flair figure. Because well, the person who won the contest still hasn't hit me up with their address. You know what's funny is the Flair figure, his head looks a lot bigger than Ellsworth's, even though the rest of the body is the same. Well, I'll say yeah. this. Ric Flair is probably about 60 pounds heavier. Yeah, than- yeah, he probably is. He probably is. So there you go. Well, that's cool. I like that. So there you go. I'm going to tell you uh, a story. Do you know what – I'm going to tell you about my Christmas night. Do you know what SIDS is, Sean? SIDS Vicious? I sure do. SIDS Vicious. <laughs> do you know what – Psycho S- SIDS? No. SIDS Justice? I'm referring to Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. Have you ever heard of that? It sounds pretty f- similar to what I was talking about. Very yeah. similar. Very similar. What that means is it's something that affects babies – uh, usually up until about six months of age, uh, they can die unexpectedly. They don't know what the cause is yet. They they know ways that you can prevent it from happening. Uh, they say things like don't let the kid sleep on his stomach if he doesn't know how to turn his head because he could smother. Don't uh, don't swaddle them when you put them to sleep because they might uh, get too calm and and stop breathing that kind of thing. Wow. So I'm going to tell you about my Christmas Eve, Sean. For the last six months, my kid now is almost seven months old. My son. And for the last six months, my wife has been co-sleeping with him in a bed to watch him and to make sure that he doesn't get affected by SIDS. And to her credit, she's been very successful, and the kid is fine. No power bombs. But no power bombs. But here's the thing. So once he hit six months, uh, I was telling my wife, we got to get him into a crib now because he's starting to move around. He's crawling. He's rolling over. We got to get him into a crib. And for reasons I don't need to get into, 
we were a little late in getting my daughter into a bed so that we could give her crib to my son. Christmas Eve, my son, or Christmas Day, I should say, my son is taking a nap. Next thing we know, we hear the monitor go off, the kid's bawling, we go up into the room, he rolled off the bed and he hit the floor. Oh, God. And I have hardwood in my house. Ooh. So my wife and I are kind of freaking out. Uh, my temper sometimes gets the best of me. I was not in a pleasant mood. Uh, fortunately, because we're in Canada, our healthcare system's decent. Sometimes you deal with wait times nice. and stuff. Wait times can be sometimes a problem, but it's decent. We ended up taking him to Sick Kids Hospital in downtown Toronto on Christmas night just for preventative measures. Wow. We're, we're in and out in an hour, and he's perfectly fine, and, uh, and there's no damage. But Oh, and when you know, so when we got home from that, then my wife was gung-ho. Let's get the bed set up. Let's get the yeah. daughter in the bed. And, and my son was in a crib that night, Sean. All because, your, all because your doctor called the kid a spot monkey, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Ironically enough. Why is he taking my, bumps at this age? One of my buddies said that to me. He said he's taking bumps oh, already? Yeah. That's what he said. But that happened I'm to glad, me. glad to hear that he's okay. That is a wild Christmas, to say the least. That was my Christmas night, yeah. That's what happened. But you know what? Because he, he was fine, no damage, and because we were in and out in an hour from the hospital, it didn't turn out to be too bad. It would have been one thing if we were there for six hours. Yeah. In and out in an hour. So it wasn't that bad. Yeah, that ain't so. happening here. Not in Kentucky. Not in America. Mm -hmm. Period. Mm -hmm. And of course, because I'm in Canada, I didn't pay anything. So that's a, that's a positive, right? I just avoid the doctor. That's very wise, Sean. You should keep doing that. I have tumors that. all over the place, for all I know. <laughs> yeah, it's very wise. Very wise. Make sure you keep doing I think, that. I think so. I also want to, uh, I want to give a shout out to James Lynch. He's a, our MMA guy here. He did an interview with Colby Covington, who's a UFC fighter. Now, anybody listening to this or Wait watching this. Wait till you see who he's got this week. <laughs> I haven't talked to James, so I'll find out. Well, but, Steve Amiochik's talked to James. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. But uh, anyway, so uh, whether you're an MMA fan or not, I uh, would like people to go on either Fightful.com or go on our YouTube channel and look up the interview with Colby Covington. And the reason I'm suggesting it is because this is a guy that gets it. This is a guy that understands that being good, whether in the ring or in the cage, isn't enough in 2017 now going into 2018. You have to understand how to cut a promo. You have to understand the entertainment side of the business. That's why Conor McGregor got a $100 million payday with Floyd McGregor. It had nothing to do with his in-ring ability. It's because he knew how to talk the talk. And Colby Covington understands that. And that interview was hilarious because he did everything from saying that his haters are virgins to saying that Robbie Lawler should retire. He's a UFC fighter, should retire. To take friend him, of his. Yeah. To, to, <laughs> to, his friend. And he did it because he's just trying to ruffle feathers because he knows this is how you get ahead. So again, anybody, whether you're, whether you're an MMA fan or not, you should check out that interview because he did that because he just gets it. He understands what you're, what you're supposed to do. So uh, a shout out to Colby Covington. He's going to be a star because he's good in the cage and he understands the entertainment side of the business too. So he's going to be a star. 2018 is going to be his year. Yeah, if he stays away from the random like sexual slurs and stuff like that, uh, then I think he'll be... I say keep on there. with it because it's funny. Keep it going. I mean, I mean not like dropping the F-bomb when you're getting hit in the face with a boomerang. Uh, uh, I mean, people, we've talked about it. People are so easily offended now, Sean, and, and insulted. I, I don't and, know if using gay slurs is the look UFC wants 
McGregor's done it a bunch of times. I know. A bunch of times. something they want to push. He's had to apologize for it, too. Are you kidding? If McGregor called Dana White tomorrow and said, hey, you know what? I'll fight on the December 30th card. They'd make room for him, Sean. Yes, they would. Yeah. Yeah. But Colby Covington is not Conor McGregor. No, but you know what? He's got a shot. I don't know if he's got a shot. I don't think he's... He's he's a good fighter. He is a good fighter. I don't think he's he's I don't know if he's got the got what Conor McGregor has, but he's making an effort and I can applaud that. But I don't know if uh dropping that type of stuff is the look UFC wants mm-hmm. and they're very hesitant to push people like that, but I think he's I think he they're they're it's it, he's overcome it rather. Easy for me to say. Uh, they want him on the Ultimate Fighter. They want him in a top spot against Tyron Woodley. Mm-hmm. Tyron Woodley just got surgery, as he told Fightful.com he would late last month. Mm. It's just, you know, you can't go around calling people that when you're going to – if you want to be UFC champion. That's not like – McGregor's already there. He doesn't need the UFC. That's true. He doesn't ever. know. He doesn't know. Colby Covington still very much needs the UFC. Yeah. They, I think they're going to need him too. Nah, I don't know. I we'll mean, see. The, we'll see right now, they, he definitely needs them more. Yeah, yeah. I also want to give you some props. Uh, I, I've read about maybe a quarter of it so far. So you did a, a big long-form article about the National Wrestling Alliance. came out today. I see that you're already getting quite a bit of attention for it. You've got comments from Tim Storm in there and Dave Lagana and Colt Cabana and, and a bunch of people. Uh, and I see a bunch of people that were either related to the NWA in some form or, or they are now all retweeting the links and everything. So good job, man. That was I, I've known about this for a while because you've been telling me about it for a while. You put a lot of time in and uh, good for you, man. You're getting attention for it now. Yeah, it's I, I had done the Hassan one, the Brawl for All. I did one last year at Fightful. Gerald Harris, one for Shane Crutchton, which Shane Crutchton was a guy I just was supposed to do a regular interview with. And then I heard his story and I was like... I'm getting thousands and thousands of words out of that. And now he's signed to Bellator, so that's good. Earlier this year, I did one of the Kentucky Commission, and uh, the NWA one's been pretty well received. In the Fightful Wrestling Weekly this weekend, I will uh, talk about some of the people who I couldn't talk to. Like, of course, as soon as I decided I was going to do an NWA feature, like that week, Jeff Jarrett goes into rehab. Right. And, you know, he's a guy who held the NWA title several times. What is James Ellsworth doing to my cat? I will kick his ass. He's and you probably could, and you probably could. He's holding the cat thing in his in his because you know what's what's that cat's name? A man with two hands has a chance. What's what's so, that cat's name? I don't know. One of them is Oliver. Is that Oliver? That's Melvin. I was close. Melvin. I was close. Melvin, Melvin was doesn't close. have a tail. They both have V's in the name. I was close. So that's yes. good. So uh, yeah, guys, I, I definitely want you all to check out that NWA feature. There were there were some people that I didn't get to talk to that I wanted to, but what I do with these very often is when I get the opportunity to talk to those people, I'll release a revised version, a revisited version down the line, right. and kind of enhance it. And uh, yeah, yeah, look at that. Damn, mug. that got that focus got in there. Yeah, it did. Look at that mug. Look at that. Man, they even got like the little dents on his face. Yeah, oh, they got it all. They got it all. It's good. Um, now, one other thing about the NWA quickly is uh, – so they were getting over this year because of the 10 Pounds of Gold web series. So that was pretty interesting that now Era Lucha is going to be doing a web series, it looks like, trying to use the NWA playbook, do a web series of their own. And uh, you know what? Good for them. I hope it works out. I still think it's going to be a very tough sell trying to get a TV deal for that. But uh, at least we're going to give it a shot. Yeah, Tim Storm was a very special circumstance too. Like, 
as you guys will hear in the full interview I did with him, the only I the only thing I knew of him was that he was the fifty something year old guy who was NWA champion, and I only knew that because of their Wikipedia page. Right. And I judged the guy. I would take shots at him on Twitter, and I'm like, wonder how much this guy paid to be NWA champion. Yeah. Well, yeah. then you quickly see through ten pounds of gold that guy isn't in position to be paying to be NWA champion. Right. Right. Uh, I, there was a lot I liked about it. It was it was real. They they didn't pretend like their champion was too big to have a day job. Right. Because I mean, in this line of work in pro wrestling, you know, maybe Magnus doesn't have a day job, but that's probably because he saved his money from TNA and GFW and all that stuff. And he's got a wife that's in WWE. Tim Storm doesn't have that luxury. He's not like that. He's a 50-something-year-old dude mm-hmm. who's got to be a school teacher in the afternoon. So mm-hmm. there, there was a sense of realism to that that I don't know if Aralucha will be able to capture. They've got a guy, Sammy Guevara, who does his own vlogs and mm-hmm. does very well with them. So I'll, I'll reserve judgment and see how it ends up. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let's talk about uh, Raw on Monday night. Uh, I know that you were questioning with uh, with with the post-Raw people, and I think even with the post-Smackdown podcast people, you were asking, why did they do Raw live this year? Why didn't they pre-tape it? I have a theory, Sean. Because they sold the arena out? Uh, nope. That's actually not the <laughs> reason. Although the fact it was, it was in Chicago meant they were going to sell it out anyway. But uh, that's not the reason. So this is my theory, and, and tell me if you think I might might be onto something. So for about the last two years, John Cena has been a part timer, right? Uh, hasn't been on every show, hasn't been on every house show for for a couple of years now. They know that every year John Cena does the MSG show, right? Yeah. They knew it fell on a Tuesday this year, and normally they have production people like some cameramen, whatever, at the MSG show, normally. That meant that some of the crew was going to be on the road. My theory is that when they saw the schedule, because I think it was like April that this was uh, announced that they were going to do Raw Live, right? I think that when they recognized the schedule, I think Vincent Mann was probably thinking, I can get John for Monday night because he's going to do the MSG show. And a lot of the production people are already, already going to be on the road because they covered the MSG show. I think because of those two things, that's why Raw was live. I think they wanted to get the rub on Cena and some of the people were going to be on the road already. That's my theory, yeah. Sean. I don't doubt it, and good on John Cena for coming back and working that night. I know a lot of people were upset that Elias lost, but Elias losing to John Cena doesn't hurt a damn bit. Not at all. I got a rub off John Cena. Yep. I think he, so. Elias's punches are so bad, though. I just want to point that out. His punches are so bad. I like so much about that. Damn, he's got to work on those punches. On the top of your head, because I know this is a very tough thing to think of on the fly, Top of your head, who has the worst punches in wrestling, maybe history, and who has the worst kicks potentially in wrestling history? Because I can think of a guy like that uh, for, I think, worst punches or worst kicks. Who do you think off the top of your head? So worst punches in wrestling history, Bubba Ray Dudley, without question. Yeah, they're pretty bad. Terrible. Like he, 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 he does the 1970s stomp like, you know, like his punches are awful. And especially considering this guy runs a wrestling school, you should be ashamed of yourself for your punches. And then, worst kicks in wrestling history, my opinion, the British Bulldog. With all due respect to, to, uh, to those who have passed, if you watch any of the British Bulldog matches, his kicks would not have been paper shot. I thought, so, well, in late 95, it's funny because that's something I noticed of him. 
Late 95, they looked they, they were looking kind of good, and then it just went right back to where it was. Mm. I can tell you who one of the best punches I always thought was Razor Ramon. Man, that guy. You know who else especially. I loved? B- the big boss man, Ray Trailer. Yeah. I thought his punches were excellent. He was one of the few guys I didn't stomp, and he would throw uppercuts. Remember that? Kane, both Kane and Roman Reigns throw very good, like, worked uppercuts. Right. Uh, Roman Reigns, actually, he's... It's it's amazing to me how bad like his clotheslines can be because his work punches are so so good. Mm. Uh, here's one that I've mentioned on the show before as as best these days. Sonya Deville throws some of the best strikes in WWE. If you go and watch her, man, like ground and pound, it looks good. Mm-hmm. Now this is particularly impressive to me, Jimmy, because I don't know how many people I've seen like from my own team that have the the trouble adapting from really punching somebody to working and punching somebody because we've had a lot of guys on our catch wrestling team work pro wrestling matches and you got to make that transition you can't beat the crap out of people in mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. Sonya Deville had an MMA background and she was able to transition like just seamlessly her knees are really good mm-hmm. punches are good uh very really good stuff out of her remember the Shamrock Vader match remember that you that was something that match because I, I think <laughs> wasn't that Shamrock's first match on television I think it might have been. I think it was in like 97, right? I think. And yeah, man, Shamrock just... said, Shamrock said uh, in an interview actually with Vince Russo that he thought Steve Blackman, of, of all the people besides Dan Severn, probably stood the best chance of beating him up. Right. Oh, I, I have you ever heard the, uh, I think it was the JBL story about Blackman at the luggage carousel? Yeah, where, where, Blackman, where Blackman beat up JBL and JBL told people that before he even knew he was in a fight, Blackman had hit him like six times. <laughs> well, no, but it, it was Blackman was getting ready to throw a kick, yeah. and and so you know you know when you know the guy's getting ready because he like bends the knees, and he was getting ready to throw a kick, and the guys that were watching were like, he's gonna freaking kill JBL because he's gonna yes. throw a kick, and right when he went to bend the leads of it, when to swing the leg around, he didn't realize that his foot was in the handle of a of a of a bag, mm-hmm. and so when he when when he was about to do the move, he couldn't because his leg was caught in a suitcase. Otherwise, he might have taken JBL's head off. Oh yeah, at the at the luggage oh, yeah. carousel. So he was somebody that was very well respected. And then if you look at pictures of Blackman now, he's still in phenomenal shape. Oh yeah, so. I, I tried to track him down for the Brawl for All article actually, and he's kind of off the radar. Right. Uh, as Ole Sammy Ole says, Alistair Black has some of the best kicks. Yeah, he throws a spinning wheel kick. His finish better than most MMA fighters that I saw. Mm-hmm. And when I saw Edson Barboza do that kick in an MMA fight to Terry Adam, I got in the gym. For like every day for two or three months till I learned how to do that kick, it's real, real hard. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he is able to do it every single time, connect and not hurt somebody—that's mm-hmm. just that's remarkable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Sure. Uh, all right, let's talk about the U.S. title tournament. So, uh, so to recap quickly, last week Dolph Ziggler wins the title at Clash of Champions on the Sunday. Goes on to SmackDown on the Tuesday, cuts a promo about how he's too good for us, we don't deserve him, leaves the belt in the ring and walks away. Um, Daniel Bryan this week on SmackDown said, well, I tried to call him and text him, he didn't uh, get back to me, so we're going to do a tournament. The title is uh, is vacant, and they did two matches this week on SmackDown. Uh, Bobby Roode beat Baron Corbin, uh, which says a lot, I think, for Baron Corbin's future, potentially, and uh, Jinder Mahal beat Ty Dillinger. And um, my question to you is... Personal opinion, it's a waste of time, this whole thing. Personal opinion. 
And the way I look at it is, if that belt is so meaningless to Dolph Ziggler that he's going to leave it in the ring the day after winning it or two days after winning it, why does it mean anything for these guys to be in a tournament competing for it? And you and I have talked about this before. All they got to do is say, when you're the U.S. champion, you're the second highest paid guy on the card behind the WWE champion. That's all they got to do. And then it would make sense that these guys would be battling over this title, but they, they don't say stuff like that. So to me, the whole tournament's just a waste of time. Because Ziggler's already showed the title means shit, right? Yeah, that's so. that's the way to put it. And yeah, I, that's why I've never liked vacating titles if you can help it. Yeah. I, can't, I just think it's bad. Like, I mean, Ziggler was like five minutes away from saying he lost his smile, you know? That's that's actually what Anna said on last week's oh, show. Oh, did she really? That, that yeah. Ziggler lost his smile again. Right, yeah. So Yeah, man, like there's no there's no other way to put it, but besides that the title is portrayed like it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Now, uh, you do have the fortune of having a guy like Jinder Mahal in there who just had that terrible WWE title run, but you see him go from the WWE title and he is worried about the US title. He wants that US title. And I thought that he conveyed that in a wonderful manner on SmackDown. And also, Bobby Roode and Baron Corbin had a really good match. I thought that Jinder Mahal's performance on SmackDown was one of the best that he's ever had. Mm-hmm. And it, because he wasn't working, like, I had somebody try to tell me, oh, he's a mixture of the old school style and the new school fast paced style. And I'm like, no, he's not. He's not. But uh, this match that he had this past week was, that mm-hmm. did fit that. But other than that, he was just boring as dirt. But I, I'm I'm here to see what happens with the U.S. title. At what point do you think they integrate Dolph Ziggler back into this? I don't even care, to be honest with you. What's the point? I mean, he, he had but I the, mean, yeah. I mean, well, he, I mean, they he, wanted he had to the be Shawn Michaels so bad, but he's not. Does he show up with the? Yeah, but he wasn't version? injured. He wasn't injured, right? Yeah, he, he well, just got there were Shawn Michaels. No, but but but. That was kind of played into the story with Sean, wasn't it? Like they, they were making like he was hurt because in reality he didn't want to drop the title to Brett. So I think Sean made like he was hurt. He saw one doctor. His doctor said your knee's Maybe bad. Maybe Dolph doesn't and... want to drop the title to Brett either. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't. It's not out of the, out of the realm of possibility. He uh, just maybe. dropped it to Brett a few years ago. Maybe. But uh, I, I, I just don't care. But they, the company has programmed me to not care about Dolph Ziggler or to care yeah. about his involvement in the tournament or to care about his involvement over the U.S. title. So I don't care what, what the plan it's is. It's the same Dolph thing all the time. Yeah. yeah. I don't get what I deserve all the time. Mm. Every single time that they show a sliver of interest in building character for this guy, it's not building character. It's yeah. rehashing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So we're just going to go ahead and move on. So a uh, couple of notable injuries. I saw you did a YouTube video for this. Yeah. Uh, Dean Ambrose, he underwent surgery to repair a partially torn tricep. Company claims he's going to be out for nine months. This sounds like a storyline time frame to me. I don't think it'll be nine months. Yep. Uh, Mania might be, that might be a long shot, but I think it'll be close for Mania. But nine yeah, months I don't like think he's. Shot. I don't think he's sitting out nine months at all. No, and then the other one was Brian Kendrick. So, uh, and I, I think this one is going to look bad on Hideo Itami personally. But, uh, and they already Hideo changed Itami. his, and they already changed his finisher. But anyway, so so Brian Kendrick on Raw, he took a go to sleep from a, from a Tommy, and uh, WWE's official report on it is that he has an orbital orbital wall fracture and a minimally displaced nasal bridge fracture, which is a really nice way of saying broken nose and broken broken orbital bone. Uh, and it's funny because before I went back and saw some of the two hundred five live clips 
just today I went back and looked at some of the clips. I was going to say on this podcast that I think this whole thing does not bode well for Atami because, number one, he's new to the main roster. Number two, he's a smaller Japanese wrestler. That means that he's behind the eight ball right out of the gate. He can't cut promos, which puts him behind the ball more. And now if he's going to get into Vincent Man's head that he might be reckless and unsafe, uh, I just don't see it boding well for him. But 205 Live, he, uh, he did the Rings of Saturn instead of the Go to Sleep meaning that they already looks like have decided to go away from that move with him and uh, give him Neville's old finisher, it looks like. Yeah. So. Gave him Neville's finish. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. So. Yeah, basically his offense is a problem then. And the thing is, like, <laughs> the offense that he needs to look really tough never does. And the offense that he can get away with not looking that rough and hurting people is the move that he hurts somebody with. Like. Right. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm missing out, but I don't remember a ton of injuries off of that move, even though it can be a dangerous move. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm not high on Hideo Itami, and mm-hmm. I've never been high on him since he came over from Noah. And he he and Finn Balor, their matches on NXT were very similar, but Hideo's didn't have any heat to them. Mm-hmm. Just not just not a fan. Mm-hmm. I am, however, a fan of that NWA article that I did today. You're a fan of your own article. Yeah, hell, goddamn right I am. Of course I am. Good for you, man. Hopefully you guys will be a fan of this interview I did with Tim Storm. Here's part one. <laughs> you you have spoken about how maybe some promoters have offered to pay you to drop the title or do something with the title ahead of that that situation. What goes through your mind when you're you're given that offer? Because as Dave said, it the amount you were offered was probably more than what they were going to give you. Oh, definitely. It, it was, you know, and I'm not going to lie and say I didn't think about it. Um, I didn't take it serious. But anytime money, money is part of the equation, you know, I think anybody would be lying to say, no, that's I won't even think about it because that's just that that would be a lie. Um, you know, when somebody offers me, and I'm not, I don't want to get into who and where, and, sure. you know, how much because I don't, you know, I don't want to throw anybody on the bus. But you know. There were some guys who's, who, and, and they were very tricky about it. I don't mean to me because they were they were telling me what they want, but they were giving me, they were giving me a uh, a way to kind of opt out of the, you know, you can pretend like you didn't know this was going to happen or, but again, if 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 I'm sincere and I am about approaching this stuff professionally, that that couldn't even be a possibility, um, you know. So again, again, I'm not going to lie. When money starts getting thrown around, it gets your attention. But it's still, no matter how much money, it doesn't make it the right thing to do. And and if I'm if if I do something like that, then everything that I have said that I am, and everything that I said that the NWA World's Title means to me, it then becomes a lie. Because I my my goal when I when I started making the NWA priority before you know under the old ownership. My goal was to try to do anything I could to make the NWA more relevant because, you know, a lot of people say it wasn't relevant at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, I mean, that, that if, if I'm sincere about that, then those things weren't even an option. Um, I'm going to do what's best for the NWA, for the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, and, and for the future of, you know, hopefully what is going to be a great future for, you know, for the promotion. So, yeah, you know, tempting, sure. I'm not, I'm not a liar, uh, but I'm also, you know, it, it wasn't a it wasn't a legitimate even decision. I just it was easy, you know, do the right thing. 
Yeah, it's kind of the direction I'm working on a long form on, and I've talked to you and uh, Dave Lagana, Dan Severn, and a couple other people about how 10 pounds of gold made me care about this again. Like, I didn't yeah. – I was just like, okay, here we go again. And we, we've seen in the past, like, Colt Cabana and Adam Pierce try to make people care again. And, it, the, right. like, the rug kind of got pulled from underneath them. We often hear about politics with the, the like, the fabled board – of NWA, like having a board in 2016, 2017, and how different that is. Did you ever face any of those types of politics as the champion? I know that they existed. Um, I didn't deal with them personally. You know, I, I have a very, and I'm not always right, by the way, but I have a very clear vision, um, a very clear definition in my head of what an NWA World's Champion should be and how he should conduct business and how he should uh, deal with different, you know, at the time, I don't know. There were any, it varied a lot over the years. You know, sometimes I think they were up to 50 and sometimes they were in the, you know, 20 something promotions, affiliates. Um, but as I went to those different promotions, I went in really with one goal and that was to represent the NWA world's heavyweight championship in the best way possible. Um, you know, and, and that's what I tried to do. All those political things that happened, fortunately for me, <laughs> That, that was being handled by – mostly I want to give James Beard the credit for that because I know his job became to put out fires. Um, and I know it was very frustrating for him at times where the politics would pop up, and his job was to you – know, well, he took it upon himself to try to put those fires out to be the voice of reason. And um, you know I didn't, I didn't have to deal with a lot of those personally. Now, there were times when I could show up at a promotion and – you know, I I kind of I kind of saw my role, and I don't. And again, I want to be careful. I don't want to compare myself to anybody as far as wrestling ability or any of that. I, I, but I saw my role as world champion. I wanted to be more in the Ric Flair mold. Um, for me, what that meant was I want to come into a promotion. I want to wrestle whoever it is that they've you know they've they've booked me against, and I want that person. I want everybody in the building to believe that that person had a legitimate shot at the NWA world title. Right. Are we back, Jimmy? I don't know. Are we, Nigel? Oh, yeah, we're back. We're back. We're back. There you go. We just got donated to GBP on the YouTube Super Chat. Jimmy, did they slip it into your G-string? <laughs> uh, be hard to access it underneath this Edmonton Oilers sweater, but uh, <laughs> no, that'd be, you know that they use a lot of coins there now, Sean. You're yeah, not, you're not going to get two pounds in a in a in a bill so much anymore. They do a lot of they do a lot of coins. I noticed that in Canada too when I was there. Like yeah. I would get change back in coins uh, very often, and here, like I don't keep coins at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, they do that because obviously they last a lot longer, so the, you're not having yeah. to you know get new ones out of the mint every well, however I'm, long I'm the bill lasts. I'm shocked that Canada is a little ahead of America. Oh yeah, yeah. It happens in yeah. That's so. Uh, when Dean Ambrose injured, WWE decided let's inject Jason Jordan into the team with uh, Seth Rollins instead, since Roman Reigns <laughs> is off being a single again anyway. And uh, Jason Jordan and Seth Rollins beat Cesaro and Sheamus on Raw for the tag team titles. Uh, looks to me like they're going to just continue with a slow build towards a heel turn for Jason Jordan. And uh, I'm all for this. I mean, we talked about it before. The guy's fire in the ring. He's an elite level athlete. Looks like a million bucks. Character development is where he's lacking. And so uh, a, a slow build heel turn, I'm all for it, and we'll see where it goes, man. But I like the direction. 
I do too. And you know, maybe this culminates in some sort of Jason Jordan versus Seth Rollins feud. And I think Seth Rollins is the right guy to have against Jason Jordan in that regard because mm-hmm. and incorporating Samoa Joe is is too because he brings it together very well. Mm-hmm. But the uh, I loved what they did with the tag titles on Monday because it was two guys who didn't want to be around each other, didn't like each other. But as soon as Kurt Angle says, "Okay, but I'm giving you a shot at these titles." It was like the opposite of the U.S. title thing where Dolph Ziggler laid it down. These two guys who didn't like each other are like, well, now I kind of like you. Mm-hmm. For this, I'll like you. For this, I'll, I'll I'll make it work because these are important. And then when they won them, there wasn't like that looking at each other like, oh, this sucks. Seth Rollins was stoked. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. was stoked that he got that championship. And this is a guy who's been world champion who has technically headlined WrestleMania's I, I thought there was a lot that Seth Rollins did on this episode of Raw that put over a lot of things. He put over the entire roster, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. He, was, he told Jason Jordan, uh, you can't just lose and say, well, I hung there with top competition. Seth Rollins said the entire roster is top competition. Mm-hmm. And I think five weeks before you're about to have a match where the whole roster's in it, little things like that go a long way. So uh, shout out to uh, Seth Rollins for – like. This is a veteran role he's being put into, and he's doing it perfectly. Well, speaking of, uh, as you alluded to, the Royal Rumble, where everybody's going to be uh, fighting everybody, Skybet, which is a sports betting site out of the UK, uh, they currently have John Cena favored. Why, why, are you, why are you saying their names like they're paying us, Jimmy? They ain't paying us anything. Well, because a it's a top stup- online casino. Uh, no, because I don't know if they're a top online casino. And I, and I, and I think that listing John, favor- John Cena as the favorite is stupid. And that's why I'm mentioning the name, so that people can check out the lunacy of this whole thing. And maybe if you want to put down money against John Cena, feel free to do it. Because John Cena is not winning the Royal Rumble. So if you want to, uh, if you want to do that, go ahead and do that. Um... Now, in terms of who I think is going to win the Rumble, because it's not going to be John Cena, and it's not going to be Randy Orton either, because Randy Orton, I'll get to in a minute, he's taking time off. I think it's going to depend on what brand they choose needs that story, that built-in story. If they decide, okay, we need a story to, to, to tell the tale of who, who, who's, uh, who's going to challenge Brock Lesnar for the Universal title, then Roman Reigns is going to win. If they decide we need to tell the story of who's going to challenge for the, for the SmackDown WWE title, then I think Shinsuke Nakamura is going to win. My personal opinion. So, but I think it's dependent on what brand they decide to go with. Not going to be John Cena. And uh, Randy Orton, uh, Dave Meltzer reported that Orton is going to be reducing his schedule even more next year. He, uh, he's taken most of January off. He is not scheduled for anything between February 6th and April 9th, except for the Fastlane pay-per-view on March 11th. No chance they're going to put him over in the Rumble if he's taken most of that quarter off. So, I think Reigns or Shinsuke, man. What do you think? So, oh boy, you you just never know until it happens. But uh, barring injury, rumors like there are rumors that some people are being talked to that Dave Batista wants to come back. Do I think he'll win the Royal Rumble? No, no. Although I feel like there's a lot been done that's been done in the four years he's been gone that will. I think he'll be looked at favorably. I don't think he'll get those boos now because you know the 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 audience is very smart. Yes, and they see him and. The stories in Daniel Bryan's book and on CM Punk's podcasts aren't exactly like secrets or anything like that. So uh, I think he's looked at favorably, plus he's a big movie star. Yeah. As you mentioned, it depends on what story has to be told. Yeah. The Raw pay-per-view right after that is Elimination Chamber. I think it makes all too much sense to have a livid Stephanie – it makes sense to WWE, not to me. 
to have a livid <laughs> Stephanie McMahon come out and fifteen of you all couldn't win the Royal Rumble. We are gonna have to earn your shot in the elimination chamber. Sorry, was Stephanie drinking before she cut that promo? <laughs> you sound a little inebriated on that one, man. Mother Goose <laughs> coming, making sure it happens, and then she throws six people in the elimination chamber. Six people that she allegedly hates. She's going to give championship opportunities to because that's the way it works. Do you know right? if Stephanie's a smoker? Is she a smoker? I don't think so. You think I because mean, of her dad she wouldn't be, right? You think? Well, uh, and her husband. Like, and her husband. She doesn't smoke, drink, do anything Yeah, she doesn't like do that. anything. Because her voice has gotten deeper as she's gotten older. Like, yeah. she, she's about 10 years away from Lucille Ball at this point. No comment. I'm just I, – I say it because I, I just feel like it. And that's, that, that's what I felt like saying. So uh, back to the Fast Lane pay-per-view. Uh, March 11, it's SmackDown-branded show from the Nationwide Arena in Columbus, Ohio. On the venue's website, nationwidearena.com, they're advertising a main event, fatal five-way match for the WWE Championship featuring, this is according to the website, AJ Styles versus Randy Orton versus Shinsuke Nakamura versus Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. Uh, that'd be a hell of a matchup if that's, if that's the way that they decide to go. And it looks like when you look at that as a possible matchup, that maybe they're going to be utilizing that in order to create a story for, for WrestleMania on the SmackDown side, meaning that Roman Reigns runs the Rumble to get Brock. Because they could very easily have AJ drop the title in that match and then get a rematch at Mania. Very easy to do that. Or they could have AJ win on a technicality because it's a five-person match. Uh, so maybe he wins on a technicality, and then whoever gets supposedly gets screwed gets a match at Mania. I mean, there's lots of things they could do. So. Well, I, I got to say this. I hate the idea of having multiple person championship matches the month after 30 people fight to get a title shot. I think that's stupid. It's counterproductive. It's weird. I hope it's something WWE's just throwing out there, or the arena just threw out there with the card Possible. subject to change. Because yeah. I think it is really, really dumb to have four or five other people get title shots like a month or two after they failed to get one in a. 30 man over the top, it, it buries the concept of the Royal Rumble. I don't know. I, I, this is something I mentioned in the Fightful Books It podcast I did, Royal Rumble Changes. That's up at FightfulPods.com right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and usually when they do those types of matches, it's because they don't have anything for the champion, right? I mean, AJ, uh, he had a match with Kevin Owens this week, but it wasn't really based on any you know, current storyline with those two guys. They just did it because he's done with Jinder Mahal. So... You know, who knows? Maybe they're doing this because they don't have anything for him. I well, would love to see. that's what happens when you sacrifice the quality of your programming for about nine months. Right, exactly, exactly. And you're you're too afraid to get behind certain talents with them over everybody else. That's why they did 50-50 booking on everybody, right? So so let's talk about Mr. McMahon. I, uh, I went into detail last week on this podcast about uh, his plans to jump back into pro football from a business standpoint. And I was using his own money and how he's using a new uh, entity and how he can use dividend money tax-free and the corporate tax rates dropping and all that stuff. Uh, Chris Harrington, who does some stuff for us, he revealed on Twitter that on December 21st, Vince sold 3.34 million shares of WWE stock um, for around $100 million, give or take. Uh, I looked up the capital gains tax because I don't know what that is in, in the U.S. per se. And I don't know what the dollar value is on the stock at the time that he was um, given the stock. So I don't know what the capital gains is dollar value-wise, but the tax rate is probably about 20%, I think. So that means he's going to have to have to pay the, the capital gains on that money, but the rest of it now is going to be available to him for this venture. 
And then uh, Daryl Ravel from ESPN, he uh, posted on Twitter that Vince's Alpha Entertainment entity has taken over five XFL trademarks. Personally, I think that that's for retro merchandise only. I do not think he's planning on using the XFL brand. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And for a new for a new venture, I also still, like I said last week, I don't think he's planning to launch a football league. I think that that's uh, a lot of speculation on the part of other people. I don't think that's the plan, and I think he just wants to have XFL footballs and retro T-shirts, and that's all. So that's what he's doing with a hundred million. No, the hundred million is towards the football league venture, whatever it is. Yeah, but the but the trademarks, I think he got them okay. now because of the retro merchandise. Sure, why not? I mean, I, mean, I, I don't blame them at all. Sure. I mean, like, like you just talked about, they're doing the Hasbro's, right? Yeah. So that's Retro a big content thing, is a big thing on, on our website. Like, and I guarantee you, anybody, because we don't know what this football thing is going to be. And, and like I've talked about, I think it's going to be somehow related to either the NFL somehow uh, or it's going to be arena football or something. Whatever it is, if people are going to a game and if they see XFL stuff there or if they have a website for it, people are going to buy it. I mean, they just are. So... Yeah, you know, like uh, I, I like it. Like I said, retro content's a big part of our website. We're doing a Royal Rumble alternate commentary tonight, for the love of God. So I mean, that stuff—it's popular and it's in. It is. It is. Let's go to stupid people, Nigel. All right. This is a stupid song. It just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. So a couple of weeks ago, Sean, I told you that my goal was to have at least one story a week that is part of the Sean Ross Sap file, right? Yeah. So I want at least one story a week about penises or shit. And last week I went one for one. I'm you had two to be so vulgar about it, didn't you? <laughs> I just, I tell it like it is. I'm two for two this week, Sean. All right? Because I got another one and these are not hard to find. So Trevor Strong dot org. Check out that for the uh, usage of the stupid song. And uh, oh, so this first one, Sean. This I think was meant to be a joke, and it was meant to be humorous. But uh, I put it on here because I thought it was stupid because it again shows that people just have to be a just got to be a downer sometimes, Sean. Even though they're trying to be funny, they're going to be a downer, right? And that's why I put it on here. It was published by the RCGP, which is the Royal College of General Practitioners in the UK on December 23rd. They actually wrote a, a report 
talking about how Santa Claus is setting a bad example for children when it comes to health due to too much eating, too much drinking, and too many grueling night shifts. Then they actually went through the hassle or, the, or, the, or whatever of listing all of the potential health risks that Santa Claus is dealing with, including... Too a, many night shifts? Yeah, because of, you know, delivering all the presents overnight, <laughs> Yeah, right? I get it, but like... I okay, had to explain that continue. to Sean, Nigel. <laughs> no, I, get, I work at night very often. It's almost like when Sean said to me last week, he said, hey, wish, wish Nigel well. But yeah, yeah, okay, hey, Nigel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I said to wish everybody in the office well. You said Lindsay and Nigel. Because they were going to take photos from the Christmas party, which they did. Sure, sure. So we never talked about that, by the way. That was a, that was how was the Christmas party for you? Oh man, that was that was a hell of a night. It was a good time, right? Yeah, well, was... well, we'll talk to that. We'll talk about that after the stupid people. Say. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So, uh, Professor Helen Stokes Lampard, who is the chair of the RCGP, she was quoted in this report as saying. Quote, although he sets a brilliant example of good behavior and teaches the importance of giving rather than receiving, he could probably be he could probably do more to encourage healthy lifestyles, something youngsters and adults alike can benefit from. So even though they might have been trying to be funny, they were basically like a, a bag of wet hair. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just 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 a, what's the point of being just a downer like that? Why'd you have to do that? Maybe, maybe because they're doctors and they consider themselves to be at a higher level intelligently, maybe they thought, oh, this is, this is funny to us, you know what I mean? Because we know stuff that you don't know kind of thing. Well, first off, I just thought was stupid, they're, they're telling yeah. people, they're telling kids, like, don't work at night, uh, um, do night shifts? Yes, more or less. Yeah. Okay, well, I think it sets more of a bad example that it's cool to go down people's chimneys. That's how you get shot. <laughs> I have seen things on Investigation Discovery where they found bodies like 10 years later That's stuck right. in chimneys. Yeah. That shit ain't cool. It ain't smart. Do you remember Gremlins? I do. And what's your name? Tells a story about how her dad was going to go down the chimney and he broke his neck. There you go. So, right. And they found him like a week later, Sean, in the movie. Ugh. Because they smelled something. Thought it was a dead raccoon in the chimney. Oh, God. Or whatever it was. So this next one, this one's something, man. Uh, it was reported by the New York Post on December 20. you got to try to picture this one, Sean. And this is a real story, all right? A 36-year-old man from Staten Island, New York, his name is Mazin Diem, is accusing his wealthy father-in-law, a 62-year-old man named Yunz Dole, of, of making his life hell by wearing a supposedly menacing bushy toupee that makes him look like the Tasmanian devil from the Bugs Bunny cartoons because the 36-year-old claims that it triggers a lifelong phobia of the Tasmanian devil for him. Oh, my God. Some of the... Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And oh, let's, let, let's, let's, let's carry on. The father-in-law was arrested in November on felony charges, Sean of violating a restraining order because he was at a funeral where the 36-year-old was at. He wore the hairpiece. He took it off and he waved it at, at his son-in-law during the funeral. And so for that, he violated a restraining order and he got arrested on a felony. The son-in-law spoke to the New York Post, and this is a quote. I, and this is real. He really said this. I truly and genuinely have a large fear of wigs now. It's a genuine fear. I have nightmares. Some of the things that people are afraid of is, are super weird. Did you ever see that episode of Mari Povich or the clip where 
the woman is like afraid of balloons. And, no, but I've seen and, a bunch like that. I've oh seen my stuff god, like this that. one this one's great because they show them on the big screen, and she goes running to the back, and Mari's reaction is the best. He goes, "Oh, you don't want to go back there," and she runs right into a room full of balloons. Right. <laughs> <laughs> She could have had a stroke. Like he should be yeah. smarter than that, you know. Oh, she bumped. She bumped off. The oh, did she? Did she? Yeah, she was. But this was, is this is a thirty-six-year-old grown man that says yeah. he's afraid of a cartoon, and his father-in-law is waving a toupee, and now he's got a. What's wrong with this world, Sean? Seriously. Well, it, the Tasmanian Devil is a bit of an intimidating figure. Is it? Sure. For a cartoon character on the Bugs Bunny show. Pretty intimidating. If you were to if you were to point out one character, which character is going to give you nightmares? You know, maybe it's it's the the really the hunter with a speech impediment and a poor shot. Maybe Elmer it's him. Fudd. Yeah. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's the gun crazy dude with a with a stupid mustache. Yosemite Sam. I know all of them, man. Fires off. Like yeah. maybe it's him. Maybe it's the monsters. Maybe it's them. Maybe it's the Tasmanian devil. Maybe for a three year old. Not so much a 36-year-old man. And Who am I, and I to judge? The Post had pictures of him and the father, and the father really was wearing like a bushy toupee. It was obviously a toupee that he was wearing on his head. So. I hope he was wearing one of those like old sweatshirts without the hood that had like the cartoon. So I'm not going to question what line of work he's in, but let's just say uh, he was wearing a jumpsuit with chains around his neck, Sean. Is this real? Yeah. Oh. It was in the New York Post, man. Yeah. Yeah. So look it up. Uh, last but not least. Why do I need to look? You just told me the goddamn story. The pictures. The pictures I meant. Look up the pictures. Okay. Usually you're doing that while I'm talking. You're like Googling shit over That's there fine. usually. So this one, this is for the uh, Sean Ross app file. I'm going to create a file called the Sean Ross app file. And it was reported Sounds by like the... You have. I, I, I'm going to. It was reported by the UK Sun on December 21st. Okay, this is a good one. The man with supposedly the second largest penis in the world, 47-year-old Jonah Falcon. He's from the US. Uh, he supposedly has a 13 and a half inch penis. Okay. So you're telling me Ellsworth's record is safe? Uh, he's, well, I'm going to tell you about number one. So the guy who's number two, Jonah Falcon, He's accusing the guy who's number one, a 54-year-old man from Mexico named Roberto Esquival Cabrera. He's accusing him of cheating by using weights to stretch his penis to his reported size of 18.9 inches. Okay? Falcon said, and this is a quote, I think it's ridiculous and he seems kind of desperate. No matter how big he is, it's not going to change the fact that I'm 13 and a half inches. He actually he said cut, that to the show. He cut side. a better promo than yeah. wrestlers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he actually cut a promo about it. Now, this um, 13 and a half inch python, brother. <laughs> now, this Roberto guy, he made the news in 2015. You guys might have even seen this. Videos went viral of him measuring his penis. He had it all wrapped. <laughs> and he was measuring it, and, and, and videos went viral. And apparently, to be fair to Jonah Falcon, the, the alleged number two guy. To, to be fair to him, apparently the Mexican guy really did use weights to stretch his penis, and apparently his actual penis is normal size, and all that length is just foreskin. Apparently he's like predominantly foreskin, 
And uh, apparently people have been telling them, just get a, just basically get a circumcision and you'll be a regular human being and you can live a regular life. And this guy is thinking, because he's like an idiot in, in Mexico somewhere, he's thinking, no, 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 I'm going to be a porn star in the U.S. I'm keeping it the way it is. Even though he's debilitated, he can barely walk, walking around with 18 inches worth of foreskin. But, okay, so so I'll try to uh, uh, try. Uh, boy, as you like to say, Sean, there's a lot to unpack here. There, there is, <laughs> and they've got plenty to. They've got plenty packed. Um, although, first off, okay, all that foreskin, man. <laughs> if that's what it takes, I'll settle for the silver medal. I don't need the piece of the aggro crag from Nickelodeon guts that, that shows me that. I've got the 18 incher. I agree. How do you walk? So if you look at there's there's pictures and video footage. He has pants with one leg extra wide. <laughs> I hope you were gonna say it's one leg, and he keeps it down the the non leg. Yeah, no, and <laughs> and he it. it literally goes to his knees. And whenever like there's a lot of photos of him where he like takes it out because he's got it all wrapped because it was chafing like when he walks and stuff. So he's got it all wrapped up. When he takes it out. This thing is the size of a fucking sock, like this big around, Sean. It's like that big around. And it's because he apparently really did attach weights with rubber bands and he was just pulling on both sides of the foreskin, just making it kind of stretch out. That's really all he did. So now that's what he's doing. It's like buying a Ferrari made of plastic. Like what good is it? Yeah, and kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. And, and so the guy from YouPorn was quoted in the story as saying, okay, I've offered this guy one role kind of thing. We'll bring him out. We'll do one scene with him. I'll get a couple of girls in there. We'll see if we can get anything out of it. But they don't expect that he's going to be able to actually do anything. The 18-inch guy? The 18-inch guy. Because yeah. it's, all, it's all foreskin, so they don't think he's going to so, be able to actually do anything. So, like, and here's the thing. Like, you don't attach weights to your wanger unless you're trying to show it off to somebody. Like Which is what he's doing. That was Pornhub was the end game there. That was the, like there's no reason you. But he's get 54. Into that. He's been doing this for like 30, 30 40 years. Okay, so that. penthouse was the end game. <laughs> <laughs> like VHS back in the day was the end game. Yeah, but yeah. He, they. It's just man. I think that and he thought because with all due respect to him, I saw a video where he shows off his his living accommodations. His house is about as big as this media room that we're in right now. And so I think that he thought, this is my way out. This is, you know, other guys might choose music or sports or acting or something. For him, my way out is I'm going to stretch my dick and I'm going <laughs> to and I'm gonna do penthouse. That's basically what he thought was going to be his way out. Things sure will be different, he thought. Hey, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm headed for the big time. Headed for the big time. You remember Uncle Rico in uh, Napoleon Dynamite? Been a long time. Vaguely. He was like... I bet I could toss a pig skin over them mountains. This guy was just like, bet I can toss a foreskin over this shoulder. <laughs> and he could, Sean. <laughs> he, he could. could. <laughs> yeah. So moving on. So uh, in the past, I was very critical of Will Ospreay. Uh, and I was critical of the way he handled the Vader situation. Uh, and I stand by everything I said. He was a spoiled kid and blah, 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 blah. Now, I will say in defense of Will Ospreay that that was a few years ago. I'd like to think he's grown up since then. I'd like to think that he's matured since then. He's great in the ring, as we've seen. Um, Gabe Sapolsky, who is uh, obviously one of the executives at WWN slash Evolve, he did an interview with Sports Illustrated, and he kind of revealed that Will Ospreay's exclusive contract with Ring of Honor has expired. 
and Will Ospreay has committed to working the Evolve shows WrestleMania weekend in New Orleans, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is very interesting. And I think that the reason Will Ospreay is doing that is because he's looking to get into WWE, I think. And I think that he thinks Evolve is the connection, right? Because Evolve and WWE have a relationship. So uh, what do you think of that, man? Uh, Will Ospreay is kind of foregoing an exclusive Ring of Honor deal, at least for now. And he's going to do the Evolve shows Mania weekend. I think that's very, very good for Evolve because they need some good, positive publicity right now. And I think that's a good way to do it. Osprey, like you, you hear reports that he's he's already feeling that style, and the tolls that it takes it takes on his body. And hey, if if Ricochet ends up there in a month or two, right? And you put Will Osprey versus Ricochet on, that can be the main rosters Pete Dunne versus Tyler Bate, like. Right. And hey, if, if you get Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne in on that two hundred five live too, I mean, you might really and just let them go and do what they do. You might garner some real interest in it, but right, right. that's all possibilities and maybes. I get the feeling they're going to get one look at a Will Osprey and a Ricochet, and they might try to make them their next Rey Mysterio in the heavyweight division, though. Maybe, maybe. I mean, it seems like they've tried to recreate that magic many times over, and, uh, you know. Sure. I, I think they've learned, or hopefully they've learned, that being good in the ring isn't enough. Rey Mysterio didn't get over just because he was good in the ring, Right. So. Yeah, it's because he had an 18-and-a-half-inch penis that he hung weights from. There you go. There you go. Part of his finisher. It was part of the 619. It went the other way, Sean. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> so let's talk about The Miz. So uh, I've, I've told you this before. I don't care for awards. Uh, you're not going to find me watching the Oscars. I'm not going to watch the Grammys or the Emmys or any of that shit. I think it's all bullshit, political, subjective. means nothing to me. But I am going to give props to The Miz because uh, Rolling Stone named him their Wrestler of the Year for 2017, and I think that he deserves the accolade, even though I don't really care about the award itself, because I think that uh, uh, he had a great year in 2017. I think that Maurice revitalized his career in 2016 when she came back. I think that the landscape now, in WWE especially, is that wrestlers now, as we talked about before, they don't know how to cut a promo without following a script. They have trouble improvising. They have trouble uh, thinking on the fly, reading a crowd. We even saw it with Roman Reigns when he did the, when he did the program with Cena, and Cena chewed him up and spit him out because Roman Reigns could not keep up with John Cena yeah. on the mic. And Roman Reigns, to me, represents, I'd say, 80% of the locker room and that they're not able to just follow bullets. They're not able to listen to the crowd. They're not able to think on the fly. They get, they get uh, The pressure gets to them, and they, and they lose their train of thought and their focus. Miz is one of the select few, and you can probably count him on one hand, I think, in WWE now, maybe two hands. He's one of the select few that has that ability, and that's why when you have things such as LeVar Ball being a guest on Raw, they go to the Miz because they know this is a a segment that's going to go off the rails, and there's only a couple of guys that could probably handle it without kicking his ass like Brock Lesnar would, and the Miz is one of those guys, and that's why he gets those opportunities. So uh, I thought he deserved the accolade from Rolling Stone, so good for him. Yeah, uh, he's been great, and especially that 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 year period, like between July of last year, July of this year, a career revitalization after that horrible babyface run where he he got really bad in the ring. Like he, I don't know, if, I don't know if he wasn't motivated or whatever, but he seems happy. He spent his Christmas on a USO tour with like Gail Kim and Alicia Fox. So right. uh, good good on him for doing that too. Yep, yep, absolutely. And then uh, Deborah McMichael. 
I want to give props to Deborah McMichael. So she is 57 years old now, Sean. And she posted on Twitter that she just got her master's degree in criminology and criminal justice from the University of Alabama. And I uh, want to give props to her for doing that, especially at her age. It takes, it takes some, some guts and some motivation, determination to get that done. And uh, so good on her. And she's one of the people, you know, you hear over the years about certain people. She's one of the people that you never hear anything bad about. Yeah. Everybody always says how kind she was in real Except life. Except that her cookies sucked. She was. Really? Is that true? I mean, that was the thing, uh, the the Austin skit backstage oh, where I don't... she brought cookies, and uh, everybody hated the cookies that she made. Oh, really? God, yeah. I, don't, I don't remember that anymore. It's been so long. But uh, but so good on her for doing that. I told you about that Gallagher thing on TSN a long time ago when she was on the panel with Sable and China, and they had Deborah right in the middle between the two of them, and Sable and China are jawing back and forth like legitimately as a shoot. And, yeah. Deborah, and Deborah was sitting there in the middle as kind of like the, you know, the, uh, the saving grace of the segment, I guess. So good on her for being able to do that, man. Yeah, a Facebook friend of mine. Deborah is a wonderful lady. Absolutely. Seems to be the case. That's all I got on my list, buddy. That's all you got on your list. I told you it's a short – it's a, not a ton of news going on Christmas week, man. Oh, there's plenty of news going on. Really? There's plenty of news going on because on our forums, people wanted the bio of Jimmy Van. I heard about that. Yeah, I heard. Was that just an alias of you, Sean? No, it wasn't. <laughs> no? I wish I had the time to make up aliases to post on our own forums. Really? But unfortunately, I don't. You said uh, you were going to interview me? This is yeah. what you posted? I saw that? Yeah, I am. Nobody cares about that, Sean. People care about it, Jimmy. Oh, Really? They do. What, like what, I bet in the YouTube chat right now, people are about to just start feeding me questions. Feeding is that questions. right? Why did, are you asking Nigel to send you stuff? Is, uh, <laughs> is is Melissa sitting at home on YouTube right now, Sean? Is she not at work? Is, is, are the, you all the only ones in the office right now? No, I'd say half the office is here. The other half took it off. Uh, who are the so, ones that didn't show up? Melissa's not I, here. Lindsay's not here. I'm shocked. Yeah. Shocked. So, and I How think Nigel after that victory last week. Nicola's off today too, and and truth be told, I think Nigel's only here because of the podcast. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, because he's off the next two days. Well, we can we can actually talk about the the Christmas uh, party after we hear from Tim Storm again, because I found out in researching Tim Storm that at one point he had worked with Ahmed Johnson towards like the very end of Ahmed's career. I talked to him about his training and working with Ahmed as well. You know, when I when I trained, uh, however many years ago, twenty whatever years ago, the guy that trained me said it's going to take you seven years to even understand what you're doing and the basics. And I remember wrestling for two years, thinking, "Oh, he, he's full of it. I know, I got it now. I've got it." And then I remember, like two years later, so at the four year mark, looking back, going, "Wow, at two years, I knew nothing, and now I've got it." <laughs> and, and the last twenty something years have just been a constant reevaluation, and 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 it re, you know trying to figure out okay, you you never stop learning you, ne- you if and you never you should never stop improving, and while my body is is breaking down, um, you know physically, I can't do things that I could have done even three or four years ago. Um, mentally, I think my game is stronger than ever, and and my cardio it never lets me down. I'm always in great shape. You know my strength is still there. It's just you know injuries don't heal. Um, as quickly and sometimes they feel like never when you get uh, when you get older and those are the things that I have to deal with 
But I hope I hope that I'm smart enough and honest enough that I ever get to that point where it's it's affecting my matches so much that it, you know that I need to step away. I hope I know that it's time to do that, and, and that's part of the evaluation process. That you know, after, you know, losing losing to Nick Aldis, uh, that's part of the evaluation process I'm in now. I'm looking I'm looking at the situation. I'm looking at myself. I'm I'm evaluating injuries and, and saying, okay, is this something that's going to heal or is it not? Um, you know, and I, I haven't made a decision yet. But uh, you know, I, 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 part of part of the advantage of being older and wiser is you learn not to make decisions in an emotional state because usually an emotional decision is usually the wrong decision. Oh, we see we see that all the time. We cover a lot of MMA at, at Fightful, and I yeah. can't count the number of guys this year alone who have retired after losing matches, and then three weeks later you see them accepting fights and they're booked. Right, right. Well, and, and I'm not knocking anybody out there, but I don't ever want to be, and some of the greatest in the business have done this, but I never want to be the guy that retires and comes back and retires and comes back. Sure. If, I'm, if I make that decision, um, you know, it, I, I want to I know it's the right decision. And the problem, the biggest problem with that is my passion for wrestling. My passion for the wrestling business is so strong that I can't imagine stepping away from something and, and thinking I'm never going to be have the opportunity to do this, do what I love to do again after 20 something years. So that's that's a huge decision for me. It's not something I'm going to take lightly. And and I you know I'll be honest, I don't want to stop wrestling, but I also have to be honest enough and, and try to make a decision on it if, if it's time to stop or not. Um, and again, I want to be really clear. I haven't made a decision one way or the other. You know, so I'm not I'm not hinting that I'm done. I'm not hinting that I'm not done. I don't know yet. I found this out that you once teamed up with Ahmed Johnson. Please walk me through that experience. <laughs> we did. I love. I love Tony. I, I thought. I mean, great guy. I, we did a series of matches at PCW, um, and it, it started out where Ahmed came in. We had a faction called the Dark Circle, and you know, I, I, our leader was <laughs> our leader was a guy named. Uh, Shadow, who became Dallas, who then became a missing one in there, but uh, then became Lance Archer, and now his real name is Lance Hoyt. Um, you know, who's very well known with sure. New Japan, and he and you know he and Harry Smith, the tag team part. But anyway, our, that was our faction, and Ahmed came in and basically just let us destroy him for about six weeks, week in, week out. We were killing him, and on the big payoff night. He, he ran a three against one. Uh, it was everybody but Lance. And he, he came in, he walked in with his WrestleMania jacket on, and he goes, he goes, all right, all right, boys, here's what's going to happen. I've been putting you over for six weeks. Tonight I get mine back. So he took all three of us, stacked us on a table, climbed us to the top rope, and he said he was going to hit an elbow. And I remember laying, there were two guys on top of me looking up, and my tag team partner was right on top of me, and I whispered in his ear, that's not an elbow, and he had the most nasty 340-pound splash I've ever taken. And uh, but but we we went on and and did some different angles, and and he and I ended up uh, running a tag match against I think it was a couple of guys called the Cowboys of Hell, which was Scott Putsky and uh, Cedric Crane, who were great workers, great body guys, uh, real physical. Okay, we're back. I had some people in the chat asking why Tim Storm was never in WWE. He didn't train until he was 30. And at that point, 
if you started training at 30, WWE probably wasn't interested in you. They had a decree for a very long time, like nobody over a certain age, nobody under a certain height. Like what about WCW? WCW was probably his best best opportunity. I don't know why. I'll have yeah. to ask him after that. But he, I don't think he ever fit the profile of what WWE necessarily wanted. And I don't think his physique back then was anything what it is now. But right. uh, it was a great talk with, with Tim Storm. I want to hear about this Christmas party because I got to experience a little bit of it. <laughs> yes, because Melissa, Melissa and Lindsay Skyped me in. I saw that. I was I – was... Not really shocked when they came over with a phone and turned it, and I'm like, oh, look at that. They're actually live ch- live uh, streaming right now with Sean Rossap. Pretty appropriate. I'm still waiting for the picture that we all took together, the group photo yeah. of me on Skype <laughs> with everybody. I still haven't gotten that, and I'm waiting for it. Whoever in the who office took it. has it. Yeah, I don't I know who it. took it. Was it you, Nigel? No, I think I was in that photo. Oh, were you? If I recall correctly. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It was it was a fun night. I uh, I booked a, a fifty person limo. They call it, even though there was like thirty of us, and we were pretty tight in there. I think, but uh, we booked that. We booked a, a private room at a restaurant. Brought out the food challenges, Sean. Nigel was victorious in one of them, Sean. Really? Yes, he was. Congratulations, Nigel. Yes, Thank he you. was. What 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 one did you do again? Caesar salad. Caesar salad. Two and a half minutes. There you go. Oh, you got the time down too. I was, that's what I was told. So he was the first to consume a Caesar salad, and he got what a thousand bucks for that. Yeah, good was, for you. Uh, good for you. So uh, yeah, it was a good night by all, man. Everybody had a good time. Well, I just want to say I'm excited to return to Toronto for one reason and one reason only to do a food challenge. Well, not well, not just that, <laughs> but in July when I was there, there was a disputed Nicola victory over Chow uh-huh. because of the the disparity in amounts. Nicola won a food challenge last week. Chow won a food challenge last week. Yes, he did. That rematch has to happen, Jimmy. Well, so Nicola Nicola had to do more to win her food challenge this time. Yeah. She had to consume three appetizers, and Chow did, was it the coconut cream pie that Chow did? Yeah, I think that was it. So, yeah, so he got a much easier round this time. So, uh, yeah, it was a fun night, man. Fun night by I have learned to not doubt the Irish, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) So I guess since we have a little bit more time left, I'm going to tell you the story behind this beauty right here. This butt, butt plug, plug. The Evander Holyfield butt <laughs> this plug. This butt plug, sending. as you like to call it. I'm going to tell you that story. So sometimes on this podcast and in life, I like to share some tips with Sean sometimes. You know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I like to give him, okay, not that tip. Not that tip. Not, not an 18-inch tip. No, not that not tip. Not one of those. It's no. all foreskin anyway. It's all foreskin anyway. No, I like to give him you know, business tips sometime. And one tip that I told Sean recently is in business, you don't acknowledge the little guy. And what that means is when you're climbing the ladder, you got guys above you that you're trying to reach, and you got guys below you that you've either climbed over or they're starting out after you. The guys above you, those are the ones you acknowledge. The guys below you, you don't, even when they acknowledge you because there's no benefit to doing it. And this is something that I've, that I've told Sean. And oftentimes, the ones below you, when they do acknowledge you, they're just doing it to try to put themselves over and get themselves to rub off of you. So I want to tell a story because I actually learned this firsthand from, of all people, Evander Holyfield, the former heavyweight champion of the world. You've heard of Evander Holyfield, I hope, right? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, so, he's the guy who boxed Matt Hardy on SmackDown once. That, there you that's go. That's how we all know him. There you go. Yeah, that's how everybody knows him. Yeah. So back in 2013... I was launching a supplement line, and I actually got Evander Holyfield to be the spokesman for the product. And we decided we were going to do an affiliate program. I'm sure you're familiar with those, Sean, like what Amazon does and Walmart and all these other places do, where you give a commission on every sale, right? 
So we decided, let's go to an affiliate marketing conference, and there was a party going on during that conference, and I'd never been to this party before, let alone sponsored it, but I decided this one time, it was in Philadelphia, I'm going to come to this party, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the title sponsor on this party, and I'm going to bring Evander to the party, actually. And so I told the promoter, this is what we're going to be doing, I'm going to bring Evander out, and, and all that. So we go to Philadelphia, Evander comes out, very kind, gracious guy. I, I could tell you the shit that he dealt with that night, but he's such a kind and gracious guy. We go to the party, and I immediately recognize within like 10 minutes that this whole thing was self-serving the, for the promoter because every, everybody there were like buddies with the promoter, and, and it was very clear to me that this was kind of a self-serving thing for him, and there was really no business in it for me. So during the evening, they had an award ceremony, and they were given out these little beauties right here. And you know what's funny is that the bottom of this has the name of the trophy store where they got it from. Oh, no. Right there, which is pretty amazing. Probably a $10 beauty you right here. You keep giving away free ads on this show. Like, what's... Well, I'm telling a story, Sean. Let me tell my story, Sean. Isn't this your expertise? Like... Yeah, yeah. So, it's time for the award ceremony. And I'm sitting back just kind of watching this thing. Now, this night, they had actually brought in Buster Rhymes to perform. Right? So Buster nice. Rhymes, yeah. So Buster Rhymes was there, uh, and of course Evander was there. So they do this little ceremony, and these awards it says on it in recognition of outstanding internet achievement. So you got to remember that in recognition of outstanding internet achievement. So this thing starts. The promoter's on stage because it's all about a photo op, right? And the guys that were winning the awards were buddies with the promoter. It was you know from what people told me. Then they announced the next two recipients of this award for in recognition of outstanding internet achievement, Buster Rhymes and Evander Holyfield, right? Which is obviously stupid, and, 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 and clearly it was done for a photo op. Evander very reluctantly goes up on stage, and Buster Rhymes is up on stage, and the promoter's standing between them, and they're getting the photo op, and everybody's doing the thumbs up and all that. When it was all done, I was ready to leave. There was just nothing in it for me in terms of business at this party. So I was ready to leave. And I happened to mention to my group, Lindsay was with us actually at the party. And I mentioned, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go. And Evander said, uh, do you mind if I go too? I wouldn't mind going back to the hotel. And I said, you know what, I'll, I'll get you a car and let's go. So we did. We get to Evander's hotel. He's the first stop. And he's getting out of the car. And this was on the floor of the limo that we were in. <laughs> and I picked it up. I picked it up to hand it to Evander. I go, hey, man, don't forget your, your award. And Evander looks at me and he goes, you keep it. And I go, you sure? And he goes, man, they gave that to me for showing up. He said, it doesn't mean anything. It was, it was an opportunity to get me on stage and it was an opportunity to take pictures and that's why they did it. It means nothing, you keep it. And so to this day, I've kept this trophy as a reminder that in business, you don't acknowledge the little guy. The little guy oftentimes is just looking to get a rub off of you and put themselves over. And that's why I keep this little thing right here. And so uh, that's a story that I told Sean a couple of weeks ago. And that was like, like say, can you believe almost five years ago already? Almost I just want to say, ago. I'm not too good to acknowledge anybody because I am a down-to-earth, wonderful human being, Jimmy. <laughs> there you go, man. There you go. I'm not the kind of guy that says, throw your hands up in the air, don't ever disrespect, woo-ha, got you all in check. Like some of the people you run with. Is that Buster Rhymes? Yeah, it's Buster Rhymes. Okay. I'm not, I am not his demographic. 
I will. I will say this. I will say this. So I, I apparently I love the song. I, so I saw him that night at that thing, and I'm going to be honest with you because I'm just not a follower of Buster Rhymes. I remembered him from like when he was on SmackDown with The Rock back in the late '90s, and he was like a six three, 170 pound guy. Oh, he's a big dude now. Right. Yeah. So when I saw him at this thing, because because uh, he found out uh, Evander was there, and so he wanted to, to see Evander, right? And I saw him, and I was like. That's not Buster Rhymes. That guy's like 250 pounds. Buster Rhymes has like dreads. He's like 170 pounds. I couldn't yeah. believe it was the same guy. I was a big Buster Rhymes fan. I like A Tribe Called Quest, and he's really close with them. We should have Nigel read off some of these comments on the YouTube, Wait, what, including what? Flip Mode Squad. They, see, Flip these mode. people know what's up. Maybe you don't understand the demographic, but I do, Jimmy. That's good. Our viewers are down with Flip Mode Squad. That's good. That's nice. Can you get Flip Mode Squad or Violator or anybody like that on the show? I mean, I, if I really wanted to, I could get anybody on the show, Sean. Somebody, somebody said, <laughs> Buster. <laughs> I think they said Buster Rhymes or Evander Holyfield is like the 30th most famous person in Jimmy's phone book. SRS number one. Oh, is that right? <laughs> so your mom is watching the podcast now? My mom would not say that. <laughs> she would not compliment this. The last thing she wanted me to do was to get involved in pro wrestling. Oh, really? Yeah, she didn't want it. Like, I wasn't allowed to watch it as a child. Like, that does Oh, no. Me. I had, like, really bad ADHD, and it was completely blamed on pro wrestling. Are you? Like, Marty Jannetty is the reason you can't focus <laughs> in school. Where you're living, that's considered part of the Bible Belt, right? Oh, yeah, you're yeah. damn right it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> all Republicans, all everywhere, everywhere you look. Let's hit, let's hit you with some of these questions. Did Jimmy make his millions by Bitcoin? <laughs> I did not. So I, I will say I do dabble in cryptocurrency. Do you? I do, but... I see Sean Morley talking about it all the time yes. and on Facebook, and I am intrigued. I've, got, I've actually gotten tips from Sean Morley. About, about different currencies. I do dabble. However, I believe that uh, it is a bubble, and I believe that it is going to burst, especially because Bitcoin is the one everybody's into, and Bitcoin is by far the most expensive one, right? So it is going to burst. I think it's at 16000 or so right now, a coin. It's going to end up like a dollar. And yeah. so uh, I would not recommend that you put all your eggs in one basket and put all your money into Bitcoin. But I do dabble in, in crypto, but I've got like a dozen different currencies that I'm in, none of which is Bitcoin, Sean. Really, really considered investing in Bitcoin last year. Everybody says that, and they didn't. You can't look at it like um, that because everybody yep. says that, yeah. Yep. Does Jimmy know any of the Edmonton Oilers? Uh, so I have exchanged tweets with Grant Fuhr. He is the, the Hall of Famer goaltender for the team. Mm -hmm. uh, one time, okay, I'll tell you a story. One time, I was waiting out by the team bus, and uh, a gentleman, uh, this, this very friendly black guy comes out, he's standing next to me. I was holding a bag with some memorabilia in it. And when I saw the team come out of the arena, I said to the guy, hey, you mind holding my bag for a second so I can get some pictures? He's like, oh yeah, no problem, he holds the bag. Turns out that was their backup goaltender. Oh wow. I had no idea. It wasn't until the, the coach said, his name's Freddie Brathwaite, and the coach said, Freddie, you know, time to go. And he, he said, you know, have a good night, man. He gave me the bag back. I was like, crap, I just had the backup goaltender hold my memorabilia bag. Didn't oh, know it was no. him. Yeah. Is Trailer Park Boys the best Canadian TV series ever? Uh, that's a Nigel question. Honestly, I've never been a huge Trailer Park Boys guy. Uh, 
And I, that's I weird. Watch, it was just always one of those things I meant to like watch more, and I just never did. I think in terms I watched of the first series, that the, the the reunited series, it was just the same stuff rehashed. I think in terms of success, I'd probably say Degrassi's above it. I think Degrassi helped launch the career of Drake. Yeah, but that Drake was Drake is kind of Drake is kind of Kentucky royalty actually, because he's such a big fan of Kentucky basketball. He's really? in the games all the time and close really? to John Calipari. Interesting. <laughs> Somebody says, SRS ditched the Kentucky accent. He doesn't need any business tips. No, I have not completely ditched the accent, <laughs> as Jimmy can verify in person. The story we told on the, the Live in Canada podcast is that we were out eating, and some dude who had happened to live in Kentucky for four months immediately walked up and said, you're from Lexington, Kentucky, which was the most insane thing. He didn't say Lexington, Kentucky. He said Kentucky. He said, you're from Kentucky, and, yeah. I, and he goes, probably about Lexington. And I was like, how do you know that? <laughs> yeah. Does Jimmy own any WWE stock? No, I do not. And as a matter of fact, okay, I'm, I'm telling stories I shouldn't tell. I don't want to get people in trouble. <laughs> I will right. tell you this. I will tell you this. So back when uh, they were going to be announcing the network launch, uh, and something had happened before that. It might have been the uh, new TV contract or something where the stock jumped. And then as soon as the contract was announced and it wasn't what they thought it was going to be, then the stock dropped again, right? Mm -hmm. So they were about to launch the network, about to announce, announce the network launch. And I had a buddy in the company that actually texted me and he said, this is probably a good time to get in because they're going to announce, I think this was on a Monday, and he said Thursday they're going to announce the launch of the network and the stock's probably going to spike. And I called my financial advisor and I said, I want you to put X amount of dollars in the WWE stock. And he actually was like, absolutely not. You don't want to do that. Not a good decision. And I made him do it. And Thursday came and they announced the network launch and the stock dropped. And wow. my advisor was like, I told you, you're an idiot. And I ended up, uh, I waited long enough that I was able, it, it leveled up and then I got my money back. Yeah, but uh, that was my one endeavor into the WWE stock, and I have not gone for it since. I know people who invested at I think eight nine dollars a share when it was at its very 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 lowest, right. and just recently cashed out at. Oh, that'd 30. be good. That'd be good. Oh yeah, that was that was very good for them. Yeah. Here's a good one. Does Jimmy Van shop at pawn shops? I don't really know of any pawn shops, man. I did go to the famous one in Vegas, and I was grossly disappointed. Because the one in Vegas now is just a souvenir stand, essentially. And when you go in, it's nothing but coffee mugs and keychains and all that crap. And the stuff you see on the show where, hey, here's a, a, a title belt from an old boxer, and here is all this, yeah. that stuff is on display with a sign that says not for sale. Not for sale, yeah. And I was like, and, and it's funny because the cabbie, when we were going over to this place, the cabbie said, just so you know, it's a bunch of bullshit. The guys that are on the TV show, they're only here when they tape TV. And the people that are brought in selling their stuff, it's all set up, right? Yeah. And otherwise, those guys are never actually there. And yeah, it was, it was crap. So I, I want to ask you, when did you start dabbling in insider trading? <laughs> this is why I wasn't going to tell the story. This is why. But I didn't profit anything. And it was strictly based on the network announcement that was going to be coming out. That's all it sure. was. And boy, did that not work out. Although I, I didn't put a ton of money into it, but... Yeah. Sean, have you ever pit this one's on Twitter. Sean, have you ever pitched Jimmy business ideas? The closest I've came is actually something I was talking to Nigel about today, like mobile game ideas and things like that. Like cuz Jimmy dabbles, you dabble in a little bit of everything. Like Yeah, we do How that often stuff. do you have people doing things like that? Like saying, 
okay, try to bankroll this. Every day. Every day. Every uh-huh. day. Every day somebody will hit me up. Matter of fact, without mentioning names, I'll tell you this because this is the shit I deal with. <laughs> so last, last week, a guy that I had to write off uh, a debt of like 90 grand from, from a guy – a couple of years ago, this guy hit me up last week saying, I'm launching a website. I'm looking for a title sponsor. What do you think about, uh, you know, sponsoring me for three months at five grand a month? <laughs> and I thought to myself, I just wrote off 90 grand. And you have the balls to ask me for 15 grand on, on a three-month sponsorship deal? This is the kind of shit I deal with, Sean. Mother of God. Yeah. What else you got going on this week, Jimmy? What's the Canadian work week look like? I mean, I know I get paid Friday, hopefully. But uh, you had Boxing ooh, Day shoot. yesterday. Am I here Friday to do payroll? Let me think about that. Yeah, I think I'll be, I'll be around. So tomorrow I'm actually going to go see Star Wars. Nice. Going to see that. Uh, we have limited time off, limited virgin. babysitters. Yeah, that, yeah. Virgin. I'm the, I'm the virginal father with two kids. That's me. But, it's a Christmas uh, miracle. It's Jimmy. Christmas miracle. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna go see that, and then otherwise, you know, New Year's it's not a thing for me anymore. Do when you get a certain age, and you know, kids and everything. New Year's doesn't mean anything to me. I'm not going out. So what about you, dude? Are you a big New Year's guy? Or are you gonna be going out and partying it up? As I was telling Nigel, and I've told you before, most of my friends have kind of migrated to the Georgetown, Lexington area. And although I wouldn't mind going and hanging out with them for New Year's, it's like, all right, that's an hour trip for me mm-hmm. there. I'm not staying there overnight because the ne- next day's Monday. I got to come home and work. So it's it's not worth the trip and all that stuff. I can, you know, I can go see them anytime I want on like a Sunday evening when there's no WWE. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really going to compromise that. When we get the move done a couple of years down the line, I'll make New Year's more of a factor for me. And what about you, Nigel? Are you a big New Year's guy? Are you going to go out and party it up and all that? Uh, I used to do more of that, but uh, I think this year I'm probably going to take it easy. Christmas was uh, was pretty big this year, so. That's good. That's yeah, good. Need to That's recover. good. Good. Yeah, I to me, uh, New Year's is very commercial. And in yeah. Toronto, because Toronto's a big city, the same clubs that you can go to any week of the year on New Year's Eve, it's like a $100 cover charge. Yeah. Oh. And it's, it, I just don't see the point. See, that's that's the only benefit of having, like, well, I don't want to say the only benefit. There are plenty, but that's one of the benefits of living in a smaller town. There are not cover charges for things like that at our bars and clubs and stuff like that because they just want your ass in the door buying mm-hmm. drinks, mm-hmm. like, at any cost. Guys, tonight I will be, uh, it's 8 p.m. Eastern. Myself, Alex, Jeff, synced up with the match. We'll give you the time to uh, match up with. We'll give you a little bit of time to get there on the WWE Network. And to watch Royal Rumble 2005, the Royal Rumble match with us, it's going to be a good time. If you like it, we will do more if the, the numbers facilitate it. But we have that NWA feature. We have uh, a lot of stuff coming up. And don't forget UFC 219 on Saturday. It is a big show. Cyborg versus Home. I did a what I think is a pretty great preview on it this week with Showdown Joe out. I incorporated a lot of the clips that uh, James Lynch has given us from his interviews, the pros picks, all that good stuff. It is over at Fightful.com, FightfulPods.com. Myself and James Lynch will be coming at you live right after UFC 219 for a live post-show podcast. So tune in there. You all can follow Jimmy at JimmyVan74. You can follow me at Sean Ross Go follow us on Instagram. Thousands of you watch this show, and I know you all have Instagram. I know you do. I don't, Sean. Why don't you just bury the Instagram on the show? 
bury the concept of Instagram on the show. Go ahead. It's an account for the just for posting photos. It's stupid. I don't have Instagram. Well, your website that you own does. <laughs> That's cool. And I'm they glad it does. Follow it at Fightful Online. Guys, thank you all so much. Until next time, we are out. <laughs> this is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.